I am Christina Kassman. My pronouns are she, her, hers. And my title is Access Services Supervisor and Research Services Librarian. That's a lot. It's a, lot. It's a long one. <laughs> For the SLC Library, I'm Tim Kale, and this is the Sarah Lawrence Library Podcast. We have an announcement for this episode on Tuesday, April 19th, from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. Join us for Art and Feminism Wikipedia Editathon. We're going to smash the Wikipedia gender gap. No Wikipedia editing experience is necessary, but there will be pizza, <laughs> as if you needed to know anything more. So this is going to be an edit-a-thon. We're going to edit Wikipedia and take uh, care of some of the disparity in uh, gender representation on that platform. This, uh, once again, this is on Tuesday, April 19th, 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. We'd also encourage you to check out the library's website for all things library-related. That's sarahlawrence.edu slash library. There you can renew your books. You can sign up for a consultation. You can book yourself a nice study room to study in. Uh, anything related to the library is there. You can search the catalog for a myriad of volumes of all kinds of books and media. Connect with us on social media at SLC Library on Twitter facebook and instagram we are at slc library and finally give the podcast a five star rating and review in apple Podcasts. we greatly appreciate the reviews i see that we've got three five star reviews so far that's awesome keep them coming help us climb the ranks of the podcast uh, charts and uh let's let's find our audience let's get as many people in the sarah lawrence community behind this podcast listening to this podcast and sharing this podcast so share it with your friends your fellow students your teachers your professors uh, anyone and everyone uh, on, on campus, I want them listening to this podcast. Uh, but this was a lovely conversation with my boss, Chris Kasman. It's not every day you get to interview your boss, but she was gracious enough to agree. And I think you're going to enjoy it. So that's enough for this introduction. Let's get to the episode. So I presume you do a lot um, in the library. I, I know you do a lot. <laughs> Um, so how long have you been working at the library? I joined the library in October of 2019. Okay. 2019. A lot has happened in that amount of time. A lot has happened since October of 2019. <laughs> the world has literally changed since then. It has. And you were instrumental in our change during COVID. What was that like? Because I, you, it was like you and Julie, I think, who came in here first, right? That may be true. Um, we came in very in July. Um, we started coming in because it was so one of it. So access services, because people may not know what that means. Yes, what is access services? <laughs> um, access services is making sure that people literally have access to not just the building, but also the things that we have in the library. So we oversee the circulation of books. Um, the access services department entails interlibrary loan. So when we borrow books from other libraries for people's conference work, um, and it's, it's stuff-oriented. So it's stuff and people-oriented. So okay. you can't help people. You can help people from home, but you can't touch stuff from home that's not electronic. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of our work was in the building. So we started coming in. The school closed down May, March, 
March something. March something. Yeah, early March, right? Yes, during spring break. Yeah. Um, and we started coming back to campus. We were allowed to come back in June. Okay. All right. Yeah. So how many people do you supervise? Uh, so I directly supervise um, four staff members. Mm -hmm. um, I'm one of them. Tim's one of them, <laughs> full disclosure, <laughs> um, who is the public services assistant. Mm -hmm. um, I supervise the circulation services assistant, who is Danielle Wright, um, who um, joined us in September, mercifully. And <laughs> what, <laughs> is that, what does that mean? Explain, oh, explain that. Um, Danielle has just been such an amazing addition to, 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 the, to the team. But as I described the whole structure of the access services team, mm -hmm. um, her role is really kind of an additional supervisory role in that Danielle supervises about 30 student employees oh, wow. who really, our student employees are kind of the backbone of the library space in that they keep the library open all hours that were available. It's over a hundred hours a week. Um, and it's a lot of people, it's a lot of interactions, it's a lot of amazing and wonderful personalities, but it's a lot of people. And so have it, I did that by myself for a while <laughs> mm -hmm. and it's a delight to have um, kind of a partner in that. Mm -hmm. um, and then um, Jeffrey Danisher is our interlibrary loan librarian who's been here a long time and is wonderful and really knows interlibrary loan very well. Mm -hmm. And um, Jennifer Bianca Hook, who is our visual resources curator and art properties manager, um, who works physically over in Heimbold and manages things there. What are some of the challenges and what are some of the rewards of being a supervisor? One of the challenges is that I, it, my, my, I'm, a, I'm an introvert, mm -hmm. so I'm a very shy person <laughs> who works in a very public job. Mm -hmm. and, and so I'm constantly questioning what I'm doing and how I'm interacting with people. And so one of the challenges is kind of being public and available to people all the time. Even though it's what brings me joy, it's the same thing that is stressful to me sometimes. Mm -hmm. um, and trying to make sure that I can appeal to everybody's needs, which are all very different, mm -hmm. and be open and generous and supportive and help them be the best version of themselves that they can be. Mm -hmm it's always an ongoing process. And so the challenge is that you're never just succeeding. The challenge for me is that it's always, you're always doing it again. And it's like always changing. Like incrementally getting better. It, it, the idea that it's continually positive, like continually up, like that people have to be continually getting better too, I think can be, can be destructive, right? Sometimes people yes. need to be the best version of themselves and that's not always, that's not always a, a progression. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes it's like, a bubble <laughs> and you just float around it and it, there are different ups and downs. And I think everybody has those. I certainly have that in myself. I'm definitely not always getting better. I wish I was. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. um, so that's a challenge, right? Because it's, it's always happening. You don't finish. You don't finish supervising. Mm. You're always supervising. That's really interesting. I, I, maybe it is. <laughs> <laughs> no, it definitely is. Um, so how do you make sure you supervise these four people? Uh, I imagine you could end up being just naturally pulled in different directions. So how do you make time for your own projects? Oh, that's an interesting question. Um, I feel bad because I, I feel like I didn't talk about the rewards enough. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. We didn't talk about the rewards. What are some of the rewards? Um, which is that seeing people succeed at the things that they're really good at and be experts in, in their areas mm -hmm. is such a pleasure. I mean, I gave the example of Danielle. Danielle's new, but um, 
seeing the way she has interacted with the students and grown into the, the role and grown into the part of like our library community has been such a pleasure. Mm -hmm. um, seeing um, kind of you kind of joined our team recently. So that's mm -hmm. been an interesting thing. Um, and that, even though Tim's been here a while, Tim just joined the Access Services team at the beginning of the year and kind of this podcast mm -hmm. is such a pleasure to like be with you to do. <laughs> yeah. um, and um, Jeff just teaches me so much all the time about ILL and kind of that pleasure mm -hmm. um, of learning about his work and kind of developing processes together to continue to make things even better for the students so they get better. Um, and Bianca just such a love of like the art that she works with and visual resources and art. And that's seeing her be able to bring that to her her work is, is a great pleasure. That's awesome. Well, that's great. Um, so how do you still make time though for your own projects? Um, is, that, I, is that a challenge? Well, I guess the question is my projects the thing about the Access Services Department is that my projects are always my staff projects. Okay. And so there's always an integration in that sense. So mm -hmm. um, I kind of see myself as a point of escalation. So I see my staff as doing like the essential work. And if there's like, if there's a problem or an additional thing that needs to be done, that's sort of what I'm thinking about. Mm -hmm. The other thing I'm thinking about is more long range planning. So. If I'm doing something, for example, like thinking about policies or kind of adjusting possibly our loan policies, it usually comes out of conversations I'm having with the staff. Mm. So they're natural extensions of each other. So the projects I'm doing are natural extensions of what I'm doing with my staff. Okay. Um, because we're always working together. We're certainly much too small <laughs> of a library to not always be working together all of the time and supporting each other. And I think... Um, the idea that I have separate projects is actually, in general, not true. I have different versions of the same projects that we're all working on. Yes, okay, um, that makes sense. Because of the integration of our work. Um, what's separate is that I also work with the research services team to support them. Um, Emily and Rachel, who are our lead research and instruction librarians, do most of that work. But sometimes I pinch it and pick up some consultations, which is a pleasure. Um, and so it's making sure that I'm available enough for them and also available enough for access services. That is something I think about. Mm -hmm. um, and also that they feel like they can lean on me as much as they need to. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't know that I answered the question about how do I make time. It's no, I guess the did. way I think about it is that there's always time. Mm -hmm. Um, it's just a matter of arranging the time in a productive fashion. Okay. Um, what are you passionate about in librarianship? Am I right using the word librarianship? Yeah. That's a uh, word? Yeah, it's totally a thing. <laughs> That's yes. a yep. good word. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, I guess one of the reasons I'm in access is making sure that people get what they need from the library. And that can mean a lot of different things for a lot of, for every, it means different things for everybody. It means different things for everybody at different times. Um, so trying to figure out what somebody needs and how to get them to it mm -hmm. is a really great part of pleasure. Um, I shifted into librarianship from teaching um, at the college level. Where did you teach? I taught, well, I, okay, so I was an adjunct professor at a oh, okay. variety of schools while I was trying to figure out what I really wanted to do with my life. Oh, awesome. <laughs> when, when was this? This was, I, um, I did my graduate degree. I finished that in 2009, so I was teaching while I was, I was finishing was that. That, in, that was in film? That was in, um, it was in English literature, Vanderbilt oh, okay. University, and so I taught there for a while, and I taught at a number, when I finished a, and I was like, what do I want to do? I don't, don't think I want to be a professor because I don't really want to write. Mm -hmm. <laughs> don't really have anything to say. There's enough people who have things to say. So let me think about what I want to do. Um, and 
I continued to teach at um, Ramapo College in New Jersey, Passaic County Community College. Um, adjuncting is always an adventure. It was like a tour of tour of the area. Um, I own a college. Um, purchase college. That's a lot of places. There's a lot of places, not all at once. <laughs> Pick up classes here and there mm-hmm. as I was trying to figure it out. And um, I loved the teaching. Mm-hmm. I loved commenting on student work and helping them work through things. Um, I didn't love g- applying grades. Mm. Didn't know places like Sarah Lawrence existed where you didn't really have to talk about grades that much with students. Mm-hmm. Um, which is seems like a very naive thing to say, actually. But um, I realized something that I'd actually felt like I'd fought against my whole life, which was librarianship. Um, Let me do all of those things with students, like help them get what they need and supporting them and help them think through what they wanted and what they wanted to say. That happens in librarianship every single day. Um, And so that's kind of how I got there. And so, and when I work in librarianship, they tell me what they need to learn Mm. and how I can help them. Mm -hmm. And I I liked that power shift. I found like I was more productive as a teacher um, when I shifted in that direction. That's awesome that you were a professor, though. I didn't I didn't know that. It was it was fun. I loved it. I love my students. I still think about like some of the projects they wrote. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's you know it's one of the best things about working here is teaching teaching students. I taught write you know I taught writing classes. I taught literature classes, like entry level classes, those classes that no one wants to take <laughs> at most schools. It's very different here. Um, and I just met the most interesting students, um, and so I loved that. And I wanted to make sure that I kept interacting with students in my career. I just knew that I didn't want to be the person writing and researching in quite the same way. I see. Yeah, Yeah. no, that makes sense. But you did study film, though, right? I did. I did. My undergraduate degrees in cinema studies. Okay. Correct. Um, So what films best exemplify exemplify your artistic sensibilities or or your taste? Put another way. No. Okay. Wow. That's a great question. Because you, merci- again, mercifully <laughs> did not say, like, ask what my favorite films are, which is like no, a that's, different that's thing. No, that's too, um, yeah, that's too simple. Yeah, it's good. And now, so now I have to think a little bit differently. Sure. Um, Martin Scorsese's The Age of Innocence. I wrote my undergraduate thesis about it. Um, Edith Wharton is one of my favorite writers. Martin Scorsese created a film that evokes all of the passion and energy of the, the work that he's working from, but it's entirely his own um, interpretation of it. Um, the col- the way he uses color, he's thinking about color, he's thinking about stagecraft um, in sort of the way people interact with the world is also stagecraft. For those of you who haven't read the novel or seen the film, um, it's really quite exceptional. Um, so that's one of them. Mm-hmm. It's interesting because these, these are the three films that are not even necessary filmmakers that are particularly mean for me. They're films. Mm. It's, a, it's not in our tourist perspective. But um, mm-hmm. I, um, the talented Mr. Ripley, Anthony Minghella, whose work in general I don't particularly <laughs> like. It's a great movie. It's a great movie. It's um, again, it's 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 a movie that I think of in terms of colors, and I think like for me that's a that movie is golden. Mm. It's literally a golden film, um, and I think that. Actually, now that I've given all these examples, I never realized that like the three films that artistic like are things that like create a, a color sheen. And it's not that I necessarily am thinking about films in color. It's films that leave me with a sense of um, a color in my head. Mm. <laughs> and I, I tend to necessarily they're not nece- think about them outside the context of like the work of the author in general. Um, and uh, you may have noticed 
that they're all adaptations, which is something that's really interesting to me. Adaptations of stories among media, the way stories travel through different media is something that's always been really interesting to me, and, and that tends to, to show up. Oh, you once said something to me that was fascinating. Um, wow. You said that you think film doesn't have the abundance of critical theory of other mediums because it's still relatively young. Like you said, it was a still a relatively young medium or in its um, like adolescence, let's say, um, because of when it started. Uh, you said it's like it's still finding its way. Could you just say more about that, if that jogs your memory at all? Or because I, I just thought it was such an interesting thought. I do remember that conversation. <laughs> um, I, I, I think the... Um, discipline of film studies is still very, very young. Um, younger, certainly 1960s were developing cinema studies, film departments, film studies departments. Um, it's, I, I'm reflecting back on what you're saying. It's like, it's a media that still hasn't found its, criticism hasn't found its way. I think that that's, there's a lot of great scholarship out there. Mm -hmm. um, I think that it's, in my outside view, it is, um, as somebody who kind of left the field and so is not um, deeply involved anymore, I would say that um, it's always been changing. <laughs> like there's never really, there's like periods of stability. Classical Hollywood, for example, have been so small that like film as a medium has always been changing. And I guess that's also always true of literature, but like writing hasn't changed in quite the same way the technology match between film and has changed and film presentation and film experience and film consumption. Um, I think that makes it harder to kind of codify. What do you see as the future of libraries? Is there some critical piece of technology that's going to change it? Which I know is like asking you to look into the future and predict, you know, something magical. There's one side where I'm thinking like people are always like, library is dying. It's going, it's all going digital. Yeah. Like it, that's been happening since, you know, the seventies, yeah. um, possibly earlier. Um, and technology is going to destroy them. But I think the thing that's true about libraries is that they, like they're a sharing, like they're part of a sharing economy. It's like we have these things and like this is how we share things among each other. I don't know if it's a technology change, but I think what will keep them going is the idea of sharing things and wanting to share ideas and materials and how we want to share things. And I don't think it's about things changing. I think it's about the future of libraries is keeping that goal of sharing materials and ideas with each other, um, with our patrons as librarians, but with each other as kind of members of the human like community, um, that's going to keep, make sure that they still exist, that, that they're gonna exist. You destroy like a library, it's not the only place something exists. So I don't know if it's a piece of technology that will change it. I think it's like the, the concept of sharing materials and ideas will make sure that libraries do have a future. That was beautiful. Okay. <laughs> I was like, I think it's going all right. <laughs> um, so you were talking a little bit about working with students earlier. How is it working with our Sarah Lawrence students, and what do you get out of doing consultations? I love Sarah Lawrence students. Um, <laughs> what do you love about them? They are curious. They're here to learn things and be students. Mm -hmm. um, and that sounds 
obvious, but there are lots of reasons people go to college and there are lots of great reasons people go to college. Um, but the curiosity and the creativity and kind of the energy that I see in Sarah Lawrence students is really particular to here. Mm -hmm. um, and I love that. Every time I encounter a student, I'm like surprised at how they're approaching the idea or approaching a topic um, and how open they are. And I think that's, you know, it's to the credit of the pedagogical approach of the institution that, that they feel comfortable to asking questions and helping redirect conversations. That's not necessarily the case everywhere you go. Um, and so I love not just, of course, the students, but I think it's because they're in an environment where they are allowed to experience the world that way, to experience the education that way that makes it so, so pleasurable all the time. I hear this word all the time here, and I really like the word, um, but I think some people listening might not know what it means. Pedag pedagogy. Yes. Pedagogical? Yeah, I'm just going to look up the other okay. definition. <laughs> um, rather, it, teaching. The theories of teaching. Theories of teaching? Yeah. Let's look up the... I didn't bring my phone. You didn't bring... Okay. I didn't bring my phone. I, brought, I got mine. Let's... We'll, get, we'll pull up the OED from the Sarah Lawrence Library website. Oh, is that what I should be doing? Oh, yeah. Not the Merriam-Webster. Um, Not even Collier's. I was going to Google it. <laughs> that, that was bad. It's a perfectly good... It's not bad. Okay. Pedagogy. It's a noun. The method and practice of teaching, especially as an academic subject or theoretical concept. See, that was so much better than my definition. <laughs> okay. So... Um, well, that's great to hear that our students are curious and like here to be students. Yeah. That's great. Uh, I'd like to get them on yes. the podcast. What's something your coworkers don't know about you that you would like them to know? I feel like I talk too much, so I'm not sure there's anything people don't know. Maybe I talk about this a lot. I don't know. I, did, I was like a theater geek in high school. Yeah. And so I did a lot of musical theater. Oh, yeah. And so being here is like great to see people who kind of took that further and like have more talent. <laughs> <laughs> um, but in my head, like if I could, if I could do it over and had talent, I would, I would do that. I would act. do musical theater. Oh yeah. Completely. Yeah. Yeah. I saw the music man last night and I was just like, man, <laughs> I am Marion the librarian. Why am I not Marion the librarian? Um, there's just something so appealing about dancing, like on stage, yeah. in a mu like a big musical number. Yeah, it's just always been very appealing to me. Yeah, I mean, I'm a terrible dancer. Like, you know, like I have no rhythm at all, which makes <laughs> singing really hard. I don't know. Like, I don't know how I thought. I like objectively, I'm not a good actor or singer or performer, but it's joyful mm -hmm. um, learning to dance and like the chorus of 42nd street. I just spending all afternoon doing it and then getting to the point where I was doing it on a stage and people were cheering like that is very satisfying. And so I'm very much in awe of, kind of performers who, who do that every night. Mm -hmm. Do you have any questions for me? <laughs> I did. You knew you stole my question. I was oh, I did. I'm going to ask you if the, if the library staff, if you had to like, what movie is the library staff? Oh, like if, uh, if the library staff or the library, the library as, a, as an entity, yes. that way it's not personal, was a movie, what movie would it be? Well, see, I, it's not a, it's, I mean, if it's, it were, it's several, it's several movies, Okay. but it's more the TV shows. Okay. It's Star Trek because you've got your captain, 
Then you've got the number one. Then you've got the ship's counselor. And I've joked that I'm kind of been the ship's counselor. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Deanna Troy. I'm Deanna Troy. Um, but then you've got... Uh, Jordy and Data, who are kind of like Rachel and uh, this is all um, this is all next generation people. So yes. if you're wondering what we're talking about, <laughs> if you're wondering, then you don't even actually. It's too late. Yes, <laughs> you can catch up later. Um, kind of like Jordy and Data have always been the research librarians, or maybe actually they're more tech services, aren't they? Because they're down in the in the um, Jeffrey's tubes working on the warp core. Yeah. Um, who 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 do you who do you identify with most in Star Trek? Identify with? See, yeah, like my first childhood crush was Data. Like, <laughs> not a human. By the way, they're never humans. Yeah, I don't know. It's that doesn't he doesn't you don't get over not being a human. Um, can't get past that. Um, Oh, maybe Harry Kim, like on Voyager, he's oh. kind of an, he's an ensign. He's like young and hopeful and what? Yeah. I haven't seen any of Voyager. I might have to the walk way, away. The way, the way you just said what? <laughs> I don't even know what to say about that. Um, but um, anyway, he's a young ensign ends up far away from his family, but is like smart and young and, and I don't identify with him. I identify as like he's sort of also on the periphery of that show and like mm. never quite gets into his own. Mm -hmm. um, and I guess that kind of like that sense of being like always kind of wanting a little bit more to kind of like get in. Mm -hmm. um, maybe that's sad actually now that I'm <laughs> outlining it. It doesn't feel sad because he's nice and like I felt like that sort of like I'm trying really hard, but I'm like not getting really that many episodes about me. <laughs> um I feel like all of these examples are me being really vain. I'm like, I want to be a theater star. <laughs> I want to be at the center of the show. Um, well, here you are on I this am. podcast. I am. It's, it's pretty exciting. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> um, but you asked me uh, what movie would we all be? So star Trek. Yeah, I think I think Star Trek is I love that. the best. Um, also, when you were talking, when you were describing the future of libraries and how libraries will endure because the sharing need or the sharing impulse will endure in the human spirit, that got me thinking about Star Trek. And mm -hmm. it's a very next generation, positive, kind of uplifting worldview. Yeah. Um, but so, yeah, I think we're Star Trek. I love that. I mean, that's definitely that worldview, that sharing, that hopefulness. Mm -hmm. Something I'd like to bring to everything. Yeah. <laughs> okay, good. All right. It's difficult to create, uh, and I ask everyone this question, yeah. it's difficult to create a healthy work-life balance. Do you think you have? If so, please tell us how. If not, why? So, yes, oh, I nice. have. I mean, part of the reason I chose librarianship is that like, it's like there aren't really library emergencies, like a fire could come, <laughs> but I can't stop that. So, so it's, it's in that sense, like the stakes are high because we offer so much, but the day to day kind of like, I'm going to have to be here till like one o'clock in the morning working on a project doesn't happen so much in libraries. I think where I, where I'm, I have staff who's working many hours that I'm not working. And so I am thinking about them a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, hoping that it's all going well because you know hopefully I've empowered them to make that happen but I am often thinking about here in this space when I'm not here it's part of my job mm -hmm. <laughs> um 
So I wish I could kind of turn it off and wait till someone told me something went wrong before I worry about it. Mm. And, Cause it doesn't happen. Like they take, people take care of things in general. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, I wish I could be here with, like I could be here to support people all the time and I can't. And I also don't, that's not a good work-life balance. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you need to like leave at the end of the day or the end of your time and, and be available because like, there are students here, like we always have students, right? The students are always here. Um, but in general, I think I've done okay. I love, everybody says like, I love being a librarian. It's like, I do, I like working here. I like working with the students. And so in that sense, it makes it easy because um, it's not hard to come to work in the morning. That's great. <laughs> it's a pleasure. Um, I like the people I work with because I think we all want the same things for the students. And mm-hmm. I think that makes it easier every day to feel like you're part of a community mm-hmm. um, who wants the same thing. Um, our student workers, I think, again, want to be students, want to support us and um, are really smart and interesting um, and add everything, add to our day every day. Mm-hmm. Um, so that makes it easier to kind of go home and have your own life because yeah. um, there's less worry, you know. I don't know how I did that. I mean, I did pursue what I liked more. Mm-hmm. Um, I think one of the things I admire about our faculty here is like, or in general, professors, they don't, they don't have time off. Like they, they, it's their, their scholarship, it's their whole person. Um, they are always there for their students, all t- hours of the day, all times of the day, all throughout the year. Um, they don't even, they, they're doing their own research when they're not teaching. They're doing their students' research when they're teaching. They're doing university duty. Um, it's not that we don't work hard. It's that, that there's a different kind of piece of yourself that's required. What was the actor studio? <laughs> well, the actor studio was a long-running interview series hosted by James Lipton. Um, at the actor studio, I assume, I actually don't know that much about it. I assume it was at the actor studio, the New York acting studio. Yeah. Um, and they would bring guests to talk about it. And James Lipton would interview them. And eventually, I guess they started to televise it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, to me, the way I always think about interviews is basically like, in my head, whatever's happening with Terry Gross on Fresh Air and like James Lipton interviewing <laughs> people yes. and inside the actor studio. Yes, yes. Um, well, at the end of all of those episodes, he asked the interviewee, a series of questions, um, the Bernard Pivo questionnaire, I believe it was. Uh, so if it's all right with you, I'm going to ask those okay. now. Okay. I don't, I'm glad I don't remember what most of them are. <laughs> all right, good. Uh, what is your favorite word? The word I use the most is absolutely. Mm. Um, does have like the, I like why words with why. Mm-hmm. They're very effective. Um, but I like the certainty of it. Can you do this? Absolutely. Um, it doesn't, yeah. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> uh, what is your least favorite word? I, I, I hold a grudge against the word incontrovertible because uh, when I was a sophomore in high school, I thought it wasn't a word and I called out a classmate for it and I was wrong. So <laughs> it's a word. So you can look that up in the OED. <laughs> the Oxford English Dictionary, which is uh, the only dictionary. <laughs> Um, why is that? No, no. (laughs) It's, 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 it's really extensive. Um, so you get, um, first usages, recordings, so you can chart the history of how the word is used. So it's not just this word now and how we use it, Mm -hmm. um, has a full range of uses and use it as in a sentence, lots of sentence examples from literature. It's just a lot more fun. It's like a whole story with the word rather than just the definition. That's awesome. 
what sound or noise do you love? This is very specific. <laughs> that sound uh, when one is like sleeping late in the morning, but someone else in the household is making breakfast and you can hear <laughs> them doing that work downstairs or in the other, in the kitchen and you're like comfortable in bed and like, but you know that when you come out, there's going to be like food. I'm hearing it now. Like I'm hearing it now. That's a great answer. Uh, what sound or noise do you hate? Oh, it's people scratching their nails on fabric. Really? Like I could do it right now. <laughs> oh, I just got nauseous. That sound. Uh, well, yeah. There's going to be sound sensitive people listening to this. I'm so sorry. A little ASMR. <laughs> Maybe for some people. Um, What's your favorite curse word? And don't worry, I'll bleep it. Okay. The one you don't have to bleep that I, that, that I, I used to use and replace a lot is blast. <laughs> uh, I wish I used it more. Like Luke Skywalker. <laughs> Does he say blast? I don't, I believe, I'm not a Star Wars person. I believe he, in one of them he's like, blast it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cool. <laughs> so you Thanks, say, Luke. <laughs> you say blast. I, I do. I don't say it as much as I used to. Um, the word I probably use is all right good uh thank you for sharing um what profession other than yours would you like to attempt i think i already told you broad broad broadway 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 star yep yeah okay i'd have to be talented Um, (laughs) what job wouldn't you like to attempt under any circumstances oh day trader okay I don't even, I've heard that word. I don't, I don't know, even know, know what, what it means is. really, but it seems like sounds bad. a lot of stress to like make somebody else money. Yeah. Which yeah, no. sounds awful, I, but I don't really understand it. So yeah, no, me neither. Um, I just, but I just hear the phrase in my right. blood, and I, my skin crawls. <laughs> um, all right. So lastly, uh, what excites you? Getting to learn new things and kind of that being guided I really like structure. And so one of the things I like about being a librarian is that because I encounter students working on different kinds of projects, because I have to learn different things from my job all the time, I'm constantly getting to learn things and like someone's sort of telling me what to learn, which is actually very relaxing. Mm. <laughs> it's, it's self-driven in that I have to pursue the learning myself, but there's, there's a guide kind of leading me through and the guides are the students, the guides are changes in the field. Um, so learning new things and kind of being forced to learn new things that I wouldn't necessarily choose arbitrarily on my own. Would you be able to give us a, an example of a couple of things you've learned? <sighs> that, that's an excellent question. Um, well, today I had to learn a little bit about the Fritz, the, the, the Haber-Bosch process. What's that? Well, <laughs> it's the process that allowed the creation of synthetic ammonia. Okay. Which was used in the creation of chemical weapons in World War I. Oh, wow. I'm going to go double check that when we go to make sure I'm articulating it correctly. <laughs> um, Charles Erna will be very disappointed <laughs> if I have not articulated it correctly. We'll have to double check and edit it back in a correction later. Um, <laughs> I probably shouldn't have used that example. Um, but I never would have learned that on my own. It's not something that would have come up in my experience. And even if I had, if I'd come across it on my own, I might not have ingested it mm-hmm. um, and so the opportunity to like remember things that I wouldn't necessarily otherwise have to remember um, is helpful well I have a, a question I asked Julie that I thought was a good question that I would also like to ask you um, so what have you learned about people 
about human beings since working here because I feel like this is a great like microcosm of the world and like you see all these different personalities interact with each other and I, I just feel like I've learned a lot about human nature having worked here. Um, I don't know. Have you had that experience as well? I would say in general working at libraries that like that's that's very much the experience. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know that my answer is going to be specific to here. Okay. Um, but um, I think I've mentioned that I'm an introvert and like I thought I was going to want to work alone. Um, it, uh, I thought when I became a librarian, I thought I was going to want to work alone like in a basement without anybody else. That was like my goal. Mm-hmm. Um, I realized I actually really like people. I think people are great. Mm. <laughs> um, and so that's sort of one of the reasons I'm, I ended up in access services. Um, but I think what I've learned is that sometimes people just need to be upset. And like customer service is one of the challenges is like people are upset and like dealing with people who are upset. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things I've learned is that sometimes people need to be upset and they don't necessarily just need to be upset with you. And sometimes just letting them be upset and helping them with their problem calmly and gently and helpfully um, like actually gives them what they need. Um, and so it doesn't need to be a satisfying interaction for me all the time. It can be like, I'm so sorry they were upset, but it wasn't something that I caused or did. And um, sometimes people will come in really upset and it's, it's really letting them be upset is usually the best way to kind of end the interaction in a productive way. Mm-hmm. Um, so that then hopefully someone comes out, they come out happy, <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but kind of not questioning why they're upset, but allowing them to be upset. Um, I know that's true for me. Like sometimes I just need to be mad for like <laughs> 10 minutes before you try and make it better. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and so sometimes hearing people, I guess hearing people being upset and allowing people like the luxury to be upset for a little bit, mm-hmm. like openly, mm-hmm. um, is something that uh, is useful to know. <laughs> people just need to be upset. Yeah. And then they'll get over it and it'll be all right. <laughs> all right. Uh, is there anything we didn't cover that you'd like to cover? Well, I'd kind of be interested to know what you were like to follow up on a question I was going to sure. ask you. You're saying you've learned a lot about like this is a microcosm and human experience. Can yeah. I ask you sure. what you've learned? Yeah. I've learned that people do kind of slot into these archetypal characters. And just I think partially because I haven't had to for major- the majority of my time here, I've been sort of on the outskirts of mm-hmm. the work. You know, I started as an administrative assistant. Uh, so I've mostly just been like the assist to other people's work. And <clears throat> in doing that and in, just in watching how things play out here, it's just sort of like y- you you can't avoid human psychology in an office. Like people have like long held beliefs about like what to do with t-shirts, for example. And that might seem like very uh, arbitrary to me, but there's a reason someone loves those t-shirts and wants those t-shirts to go out at this specific time for (laughs) these specific people. And I have to respect that. I have to acknowledge that, well, that there's a that there's a history that there's a history behind everyone that everyone has a history that makes them who they are that makes them react why the the way they react in certain circumstances or situations and that that can actually help you navigate any tricky situations with people where you can just start to realize like, oh, okay, they're reacting this way for X, Y, and Z reason that I know because they told me 
And you just learn a lot of people. I learn about a lot of people working in an office. Um, does that answer your question? Yeah, I was good. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but is there anything else that we haven't covered that you'd like to cover? Or that you just would like to say about your time here? Or I don't know if you can add this back in, but I can I can talk about another uh, another film, and then I can talk a little bit more about my time here. Is sure. that okay? Yeah, absolutely. So the, the, uh, the third film that is really important to me artistically is uh, Brief Encounter, David Lean's film, mm. um, starring Celia Johnson. Um, and um, it's about um, two people who meet and do not have an affair. And... Um, <laughs> And I think, which is actually also what the Age of Innocence is about. Um, and I think that, um, that that one's silver. So if we're talking about colors, it's a silver film. Mm-hmm. And um, David Lean makes it quite beautifully. And, it's, a, and it, it's about kind people. That concludes this episode of the Sarah Lawrence Library Podcast. Remember, on Tuesday, April 19th, 4 p.m. to 7 p.m., Art and Feminism, Wikipedia Editathon, Smash the Wikipedia Gender Gap. No editing, no prior Wikipedia editing experience is necessary to join in. Pizza will be served. You may have seen these beautiful posters hanging at the various places that you can hang posters on campus. Uh, it will be, I forgot to mention in the intro there, uh, that's right, I forgot to mention this. It'll be in the Learning Commons at the library. So it's at the Learning Commons at the library. So just come to the library, make a right, then make another right, then go straight, you're at the Learning Commons. <laughs> and you'll be able to have some pizza as well. So check out uh, that event. Come and uh, edit with us. It'll, it'll, it'll be a fun event. Uh, looking forward to that. Connect with us on social media at SLC Library on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. That's SLC Library and Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And finally, give the podcast a five-star rating and review in Apple Podcasts. I really appreciated uh, seeing that there were three five-star ratings uh, for the podcast. No written reviews yet or or they haven't popped up yet because I know in, in Apple Podcasts they sometimes take some time to pop up. But, uh, yeah, write those reviews. Let us know what you think of the show. Let us know what you would like more of on the show. That, that would be useful. Um, yeah, let us know what you like. Let us know what you'd like more of. And that'll, that'll help the show grow and expand. I want everyone listening to this podcast. <laughs> I want everyone on Sarah Lawrence uh, campus listening to the Sarah Lawrence po- Library podcast. Uh, oh, oh, go to the website. How did I forget this? The most important plug. Go to the website for all things library related. That's library. That's Sarah, sorry. That's sarahlawrence.edu slash library. sarahlawrence.edu slash library. There you can check your account, renew your books, uh, reserve a study room, uh, book a consultation, do all kinds of good things that will help you on your academic journey. I think that about does it for this outro. I don't think I have anything else to report on, but uh, I, I can say it's been fun doing these podcasts the past few weeks, and it's been cool to see that people are actually listening to them. So continue to listen, continue to let us know what you would like, and we'll all keep growing together. Alrighty, thank you very much for listening. Until next time. <laughs>